0: The South Cliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us now here's senior pastor, Dr. Carol Marr, with this week's sermon. Well, it's good to be with you today. If you have your Bible, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Romans. And we have been making our way through the book of Romans. We have made it to chapter 8 in our study, and we've spent some time here in chapter 8, and an exciting chapter that really allows us to recognize the power that God makes available to us. Now, the question that kind of comes to mind when I think about what we have discovered together thus far is really this. Uh, Do you ever feel inadequate in your Christian walk? Do you ever feel like God is asking you to do something you just can't do? I mean, he asks you to to love your wife as Christ loved the church. He asks the wife to, to listen to her husband. He asks us to parent our children. He asks us to, to share our faith. He asks so many things of us that we are incapable of doing. So sometimes we just feel inadequate, don't we? And you know what? I want to encourage you today. If you've ever felt inadequate as a Christian, it's because you are. You can't do it. None of the things that God has called us to do are we able to do in our own power. And what we have discovered in Romans chapter eight is that God gives us the person of the Holy Spirit to live through us and to do through us what only He can do. And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about that, what it means to to live in the Spirit. We discovered that when we accept Jesus as our savior, God's Holy Spirit comes to live in us. That's what Paul says. That God comes to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we talked about who the Holy Spirit is and how we receive the Holy Spirit when we are saved. And then we talked about how to walk in the Holy Spirit. How do we hear his voice? How do we respond? in obedience to what he says and then last time we together we talked about how do we think in the spirit how do we how how do we capture the thoughts of our minds so that we are are walking in concert with all that god is saying to us and today we're going to talk about another element in our life where we are desperately desperately in need of the holy spirit where the Holy Spirit is indispensable at this part of our life. And that's in prayer. You see, sometimes we just talk about prayer as if it's a subject, but we never really talk about the indispensable component of prayer, which is the person of the Holy Spirit. And Paul tells us in chapter 8 that we are to pray in the Spirit. So what does he mean by that? What is that? And over the next couple of weeks we're going to kind of unpack what that is talking about. Now I'll remind you that Paul has told us in chapter 8 that there are two, what I refer to as two, life management systems that we can give ourselves to. Paul says we either live in the flesh or we live in the spirit to live by the flesh means that I live my life based on what I think what I want I'm the captain of the ship to live by the Spirit to walk in the Spirit is to live according to Christ what he says what he wants what he desires and those two life management systems are played out every day in our life we've seen that over the last few weeks but I also want you to recognize that it's true in your prayer life as well did you know that just as Paul says that we are to pray in the spirit it's possible to pray in the flesh and maybe the reason that many of us never really come to fully understand the power of prayer is because we've never fully understood the difference between praying in the flesh and praying in the spirit praying in the spirit is basically this let me give you a definition i didn't put it on the screen because i want you to listen to me as we go through it it contains two key words praying in the spirit is praying in close communion and cooperation with the holy spirit to pray in the spirit is to pray in close communion and cooperation with the holy spirit so praying with a deep emotional connection to the Spirit. That is communion, my relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. So prayer is communion. It's not one-sided. It's not me doing all the talking. It is communion, me between God. God speaking to me, and I hearing, and I respond, and I speak, and God hears, and God responds. It is praying in cooperation with the Spirit, which means it's The spirit who gives direction to the desires, he controls and directs our prayers. Praying in the spirit is not praying in some unknown language. I've heard some people say to pray in the spirit, there's a prayer language and, and if you pray in the spirit, you have no. Praying in the spirit simply means to pray in communion with and cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Prayer corresponds to those two management systems. We pray in the spirit or we pray in the flesh. And I can help you understand the difference between those two. Praying in the spirit simply says, God, thy will be done. Praying in the flesh says, my will be done. (laughs) This is what I want. This is what I need. This is where, where I'm at. And so those two kind of help us understand what it is. But in Romans chapter 8, Paul begins to help us understand what it is to pray in the spirit. If you have your Bible, look with me at Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 26 and verse 27 together. Verse 26 and 27, Paul makes this observation for us in the same way the spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. and he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to to the will of God. Now those two verses are powerful verses. If you can come to understand what God is saying to us in those two verses, it will revolutionize your life. And I'm praying that, that one of you today will say, God, I wanna know what that means in my life. In fact, I wanna ask you a couple of questions before we get started and, and look and unpack this text. Just so that we're in the right spot to hear what God is saying, I want to ask you this, and I want you to answer honestly in your mind. How's your prayer life? Are you consistent? Are you regular in prayer, or is it sporadic? Do you have a daily time with God? Are you growing in your prayer life? Or would you say, I'm stuck? When you pray, does your mind wander? Is prayer boring to you? Or is it exciting and alive? Are your prayers answered? When was the last time you were overwhelmed by the presence of God? Do you run out of things to say? when you pray. I guess I could ask a final question. Are you satisfied with your prayer life? Or maybe one more. Do you want to go deeper? Do you really want to know what it is? to commune with God and to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and to see God come alive in our life. Well, we either pray in the spirit or we pray in the flesh. And praying in the flesh will never bring those things that we long for, only when we pray in the spirit will we discover that truth so today we began a journey to talk about what it means to pray in the spirit in the text before us paul tells us that the holy spirit does four things in our lives when it comes to prayer there are four areas that the holy spirit is at work he he helps first of all paul says in the text that we read together in the same way the spirit helps our weaknesses the Holy Spirit helps us in the areas where we're weak. He goes on to say that the Holy Spirit helps us in the areas where we're ignorant. There, there, there are times we don't know how to pray and what to pray for. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit to help us when we're ignorant, when we don't know. He goes one step further and says he, he, he helps us in the inaccuracies of our life. Sometimes we're, we're not praying for the right thing. And he's the one that can guide us so that our prayers are in keeping with the heart of God. He knows the will of God. He perfectly knows the will of God. And if if I'm praying in concert with the will of God and the Bible promises that my prayers will be answered, it just makes sense that the Holy Spirit would lead me to understand what the will of God is. So he helps in my in. And then finally, he says he helps in my inarticulations. in those times when I just don't know what to say. In those moments when I am just so spent, there's nothing left, the Holy Spirit has made provision for that moment as well. Well, with that in mind, those four things, I want to look at the first of those four things today. We'll see how far we get. He tells us, first of all, that he helps us with our weaknesses. I, I grew up in a small church and and the King James Version was the Bible that we always used. And, and I, I'll have to admit to you that there are sometimes when I read certain verses, I just automatically hear them in the King James. And this is one of those verses. In the King James, it says he helps with our infirmities. That's kind of a catching word, isn't it? It it, it really means to be sick, to be feeble, to be physically weak. It carries the idea of being timid or doubtful. Uh, it, it, It means that we are lacking authority, our dignity, our power. He says he helps in our weaknesses. When it comes to prayer, we got a lot of weaknesses, but I just want to focus on four four weaknesses that I believe the Holy Spirit helps us with. Number one, independence. I'm convinced that one of the reasons that most of us don't accomplish much in our prayer, and the reason many of us do not see our prayers answered is because, here it is, you're just too self-sufficient. The main reason many of us never experience the power of God in our life is because we're too self-sufficient. I've discovered that, that the number one enemy of prayer and a vibrant prayer life is self-sufficiency. The reality is for many of you, the only time you ever pray is when you get in such a bind, there is no human way out of the problem. That's the only time you ever pray. I don't have to pray if there's a human way out of the problem, I'll just take that way out of the problem. I don't have to pray because physically and and mentally and emotionally, I can work through just about every challenge that I encounter in life. And we walk through life in our own power rather than God's. Ron Dunn says, no man trusts God until he has to. I think he may be right. As long as we feel like we can live life without God, we do. And most of us in the room feel like that we can live life without God. And so self-sufficient independence means that we just don't pray. I mean, in James chapter four, verse two, you know what he says? You have not because you ask not. He said the reason that your prayers aren't answers because you're not praying. Why are you not praying? Because I don't have to. I'm living my life in my own power. The only time I ever pray is when it gets so bad that I feel like I'm in such a bind that there's no way out. That's the moment that I begin to pray. James says the reason that God's not working in your life is because you're just not praying. Most of us, listen, this is the challenge, most of us are functional atheists. You would never say that you're an atheist, but you live like you are. An atheist is a person that does not believe God exists. So uh, as a result of that, he's not going to consult God about any matter. He's not going to think about the things of God with any circumstance in life. And here is the reality for many of you in this room. You're functional atheists. Because you go through an entire day and you don't think about God either. You don't pray. You don't seek God's direction. You don't open his word. You are independent, you're so, so self-sufficient, you don't need, you don't believe. Jesus said this, Jesus said that we can do nothing without God, but you know what I've discovered? Most of us don't believe that. Most of us would say, well, you know, I can do a whole lot without God. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We said, well, wait a minute, I've done pretty well for myself without God. And we try to live without God. So how does the Holy Spirit help us in our weakness? Well, (laughs) here's, here's an important truth for you that might help you understand why you're struggling. When we choose to walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will work in our life, listen, to pry us free from stubborn independence. So, you know what the Holy Spirit begins to do in your life to help in that weakness? He'll allow you to get in that situation where there is no human escape possible. Because it's the only way you can get your attention. I told you before when we talked about prayer and we we talked about earlier in the book of Romans that we have to get to the place that we ask the right questions. We don't ask the question why, we ask the question what. Many of the challenges that you face today, you need to be asking the question what. But you know what I've discovered? Sometimes asking the question what leads to the answer to why. God, what are you trying to teach me? Well, I'm trying to teach you to trust me. Well, no wonder that you're allowing me to face the challenges that I'm facing, no wonder life is caving in on me. No wonder it feels like there is no hope. God is saying, it's the only way I can get your attention. The Holy Spirit begins to work in our life and one of the things that he will do is to pry us free from that stubborn independence in our life. He will bring us to the place well, we have nowhere else to turn but Him. Now, the, the, the beauty of walking in the Spirit is to get to the place where that doesn't have to happen. <laughs> so that we're walking with Him and our prayer is vibrant and exciting because He is leading us to the place where we say, God, I can't live without You. So that every day I, I begin the day to say, God, I can't make it through the day without You. I've got to have you. You have got to be a part of my life. There's no way that I can encounter the challenges that I face. And so prayer demonstrates a dependence upon God. The second way that he helps us is that he helps us with our iniquities, our sin. The word iniquities I choose on purpose because it carries the idea of sins that we know about sin that we're aware of in our life. What I want you to understand is this, as a child of God, with regard to your prayer life, you've got to understand that the state of your prayer life is connected and cannot be disconnected to your life and the way you live your life. The psalmist says it this way, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If there's sin in my life, that sin separates me from God. The communion, remember that the pray in the Spirit is communion and cooperation. And when there's sin in my life, it interrupts the communion. And when I recognize that sin and I allow that sin to remain and I don't deal with that sin, then then all of a sudden it shuts off the communion that I have with God. And what I've discovered that the Holy Spirit does when he helps us in the area of sin is that the Holy Spirit, if you allow him to, will bring you to a place of brokenness over your sin. And I think the reason that many of us have found no power in our praying is that we have not come to the place where we're really broken about our sin. We're kind of nonchalant about it. Well, yeah, I'm a sinner and I've got unforgiveness in my life. So God, would you just forgive me for the unforgiveness that I have shown to other people? But, but I want to tell you something. When, when we really are communing with God and when we're walking with God and, and we're hearing God, we're responding to God in this love relationship that we have with God, Suddenly, we're broken over that. It's not this nonchalant thing that I do, and 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 rather than just saying, "God, I have a problem with anger or jealousy," would you help me with that? We come to the place where we say, "Man, I, I hate that I have a problem with anger. I despise the fact that I struggle with jealousy. I'm sick of the fact that I have lust issues and." And I don't want that in my life. God, it breaks my heart that my sin breaks your heart. And and the relationship we have is impacted by that. And I want you to understand that you cannot pray in the spirit until you deal with that junk. Until you come face to face with unforgiveness or anger or jealousy or lust or greed, or envy, or pride, or covetousness, or or, or dishonesty, or materialism, whatever it is that you've made friends with, to finally come to the place where we say, God, I want my heart to be broken over the things you've broken over, and I don't ever want to be Flippant about coming to you asking for forgiveness. I want to come to you With a broken heart over my sinfulness and asking God that you restore me to right fellowship Now I'm not saying that we have to be perfect and I'm not saying that we have to get a handle on all those things I've told you before it is not the perfection of our life. It's the direction of our life None of us are perfect And we may struggle with anger, but I want to tell you something, if it doesn't bother you that you're struggling with anger, something's wrong with your relationship with God. You're praying in the flesh and not in the spirit. It's about you and not about him. But when our life becomes about him, suddenly our sin becomes about him. And we begin to recognize that we can only sin against the holy God. And our sin is an affront to the heart of God and the Holy Spirit. When we get serious about praying, I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is going to turn a flashlight on, and he's going to show you some nasty stuff in your life that you've been avoiding. And the Holy Spirit's going to say, I heard you. You want to, you want to have a prayer life? You want to pray in the Spirit? we got to deal with this. Are you willing to let go of that? Are you willing to confess that? Are you willing to turn from that? Are you willing to allow God to give you the grace and strength to overcome that? Because until you are, you'll never be able to pray in the Spirit. But if you are, I'll do that. Until we come to the place where we say, God, it's not in my strength. I can't do anything. The mess that I'm in is the result of my strength. And so I yield to you in your strength. Well, the third area, and maybe I could come back and ask this one question. If if you answered yes a moment ago about your prayer life being dull and boring and powerless, maybe it's connected to something that's in your life that shouldn't be there. Because you can't have that power and the operation of the Holy Spirit in your life when you're walking in known sin. The Holy Spirit shows us, convicts us, and gives us the grace to turn from it, to embrace the forgiveness God gives. Third thing that God does to help us, He helps in our weaknesses. I've discovered that He helps in our instabilities. Again, in the book of James, in chapter one, James says that an unstable person a person who just drifts with the wind and goes from one extreme to another, his prayers are not heard. He helps with our instabilities. I I, I guess what it literally means for me is that a person who's unstable is a person whose heart is not exclusively set on God. And the Holy Spirit has the ability to allow us to fall in love with God. I think of the the last time Jesus speaks. he, He speaks in the book of the Revelation as John writes the words of Jesus, and he writes to the church at Laodicea, and he says, you guys have got everything right. You're doing all the right stuff. Man, you got church. You're going. You're worshiping. You're plugged in. You're in a small group you're singing, you're in the praise band, you're using all of your gifts, you're in, a, in Bible study, you're doing all this stuff. There's one, one issue I have with you. You've left your first love. You just don't love me like you used to. And all this other stuff that you do doesn't mean anything if, if the communion's not there. How's your love relationship with God? And the Holy Spirit allows us to fall in love with God all over again. He leads us into a deeper relationship with Christ and enables us to make him our first love, to enjoy him and to see him as, as Paul describes in chapter 8 as our Abba, Father, personal relationship. The communion focuses on that relationship, the time that we have with him. And then the fourth thing. I think he helps us in our independence. And that's the number one reason why you have no power in your prayers because you're self-sufficient. He helps us By allowing us to confront the end of ourselves, to realize that we need him. He confronts our iniquities by putting the light on in our life and showing us there's sin in our heart and life that has not been dealt with and not been confessed. He allows us to recognize the instability and brings us back into a love relationship with God and says, you know what, we just need to get back to the basics. It's about your relationship with me. The final area, I think, there are many areas of weakness, but another area is the inconsistencies in our life. What I've discovered is that the Holy Spirit helps us with the discipline and fortitude to stay consistent. The reason that many of us never have our prayers answered, never know the power of God in our life is because We're not consistent in our prayer. Jesus said we are to pray continually. In one of the parables, he obviously said, Hey, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask and you'll get an answer. And in the original language, when you look at the tense of the verbs, it carries this idea ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Don't stop knocking. And you know what I've discovered? The Holy Spirit could give us a burden that keeps us praying. We've got to understand that nothing really happens in our life until we stay consistent in our prayer. Prayer is warfare and we've got to stay engaged i think it's i think it's difficult for us to understand that in the world that we live in today we we are a microwave generation we're used to everything instant right we had instant oatmeal instant soup instant coffee instant everything previous generations i think they they did better than we do at this. You know, years and years ago when a person wanted a loaf of bread they had to plow a field and plant wheat and wait for the sun and the rain to cause the wheat to grow and wait till it came to fruition and then they had to harvest it. And then they had to thrash the wheat to separate the chaff from the kernels of wheat. And then they had to crush it after they finally got it, crush it. And then they would knead it and and make flour and knead the flour and add laven to it. And then they had to wait for the laven to cause the, the dough to rise. And then they put it in the oven and bake it. If you want a loaf of bread, you just get in the car and go to the grocery store and you have 15 different choices. And I think the instant generation has forgotten how to wait in prayer. You know what I've discovered for many of us? When you pray for God to do something, if God doesn't answer the prayer by the time you get through praying, you're done. You move on. Didn't work. But you know what I've discovered? Sometimes God can give us a burden. And that burden can keep us on our knees for years. There are some of you in this room today that the reason you know Jesus is because somebody prayed for you for years. You wandered away, you went your own way, and there was somebody that had a burden for you. Somebody that the Holy Spirit pricked their heart and said, you know what? I'm not going to let my daughter, I'm not going to let my son, I'm not going to let my friend walk in that direction without praying for them. And every day they prayed for you. Every day they prayed over you. And it took years. And you know what? There are some people that have prayed for years and never even saw the answer to the prayer. And, And the answer to their prayer came after they died. Praying in the Holy Spirit means that we are welcome a burden that God puts on our heart and we will pray and not give up. We will pray and not faint. We will grab hold of the horns of the altar and we will not let go until God answers our prayer. That's what it looks like to pray in the spirit. And if you want to pray in the spirit, I'm going to tell you something. God's going to give you a burden. He'll put something so heavy on your heart that that the problem you're praying about will become your problem. You'll lose sleep over it. You'll miss meals because of it. Sometimes you won't be able to focus on anything else, but that burden becomes a source of power in the hands of the Holy Spirit as we pray consistently. How does the Holy Spirit help us in our weaknesses? Sometimes he gives us a burden so that we don't quit praying. He Shines the light as he's done today in your life to say, look at all the junk in your life that you have allowed to remain that you know God doesn't want there. And you think God can hear your prayer? He can't. Deal with it. confess it, turn from it repent of it and be restored the Holy Spirit works to bring about in our heart and in our life the answer we need so that in our weakness we find strength and in that strength We pray, and God opens a door into a whole new realm that some of you have never yet experienced. But that's what God's calling us to. So here's my question. Are you satisfied with your prayer life? Or do you want this? If you want this, God's Holy Spirit is sitting ready to lead us into this. That's one of the things that he does. Over the next few weeks, we'll look at the next three things he does. But today it starts here with helping our weaknesses. Maybe it's your independence. Maybe it's your sin. Maybe it's your inconsistency. You don't have that love for God. Whatever it is, God's put his finger on it. And you know now you need to deal with it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the message you've given us today, the opportunity to confront the reality of this truth. Boy, there is no messing around with this stuff. It's just in our face. Because it reveals so much of who we are and the struggles that we're having. And it offers to us an invitation to so much more. And I pray that every believer in this room will come to the place where we would say, Holy Spirit, come now and do your work in my weakness to bring me where I need to be, that I might pray in the Spirit For those that have never accepted you jesus i thank you for the fact that they're able to hear and listen and understand and somehow holy spirit speak to their hearts show them you're calling them to this same opportunity to know you and to walk in the power of your grace and for that we thank you in jesus name amen and amen From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com. To share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.